Hello, everyone, and welcome to the In Defense of Plants podcast, the official podcast of InDefenseofPlants.com. What's up? This is your host, Matt. Welcome to the show. How is everyone doing this week? I'm doing great because I just spoke with one of the most inspirational conservationists I've ever met. Today, we are hearing from Javier Robayo. He is the executive director of Foundacion Ecominga. And this is a topic you have heard about if you've been listening to this podcast for a while now. They own and operate a bunch of land conservation efforts down in Ecuador, and all of it is really focused on tiny orchids, such as those in the genus Dracula or Tegia. But they're doing amazing work for biodiversity as a whole in one of the most biodiverse areas of the entire world. When you hear some of the stories he's going to tell you today, uh, it, it, it just becomes so apparent why land protection in this region is so important. And Javier is here to talk to us about an issue that the Dracula Reserve is facing with legal and illegal mining operations. Please stick around to the end of this conversation because he gives you a ton of ways that you, yourself, no matter where you're at, can actually help this mission in a major way. Javier, like I said, is one of the most inspirational people doing amazing work to protect plants and the planet. So let's just jump right into it. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Javier Robayo. I hope you enjoy. small idea about uh, who I am. My name is Javier Robayo, and I'm working with the Cominga Foundation during the last uh, 12 years, more or less. I'm studying ecology on the university, and during my last, during my first year on the university, um, I listened to a speech about uh, conservation, mm. about um, uh, cloud forest um, specialties, Orchids and uh, in, in using orchids as a as a method to protect the forest wow. and, and make conservation. Uh, I remember that the title of this uh, speech was like uh, um, like orchids on on the clouds. Huh. It was a crazy crazy name. <laughs> uh, who made this cl- this uh, speech was Lou Just. Oh, cool. I, I was on my first year of the university uh, and I just ran to the first line. Uh, Lou finished the class and I, uh, the, the speech and I said, my name is Javier Robayo. I love your work. I want to work with you in the future. <laughs> That's awesome. So that was 1986. That was oh, wow. my, first, uh, my first encounter with, uh, uh, with Lou. Of course, Lou never, never, ever... Uh, just keep my my name on, <laughs> on his mind. Uh, I was very very young, and I grow on the, the on the university with uh, with a botanist mm. uh, and uh, Blastimil Sack that now unfortunately uh, passed. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, he was my teacher during all my university time, and he teach me a lot of taxonomy. And hmm. and he was not like very like deep with orchids. Uh, he's oh that's just that some herbs. <laughs> uh, that grow on top of the trees. You need to see the trees. You need to see the landscape. Oh. And he teach me. He teach me a lot about how to understand um, um, the different aspects of trees. Huh. How trees smell. How trees are built. The architecture of the of the trunks. The the texture of barks. How important was it to understand um, sap and 
uh, latex and the edge of the leaves and the, <laughs> the, the, all, all the situation that keep most of my time during my university. And <laughs> I was expecting to be a botanist, of course. And unfortunately, I, I uh, leave the university and my first, uh, the, the first things that I was facing, it's nobody have a lot of work for botanists. Yeah. It's more work for other things. Right. <laughs> so I turned a little bit my, my career to the uh, protected areas. Mm. And I was trying to use my knowledge with protected areas. And, uh, and that was the beginning. Oh. From this point, from just the university time, I dedicate my time to uh, create protected areas or to be involved with the management of protected areas. Uh, so I started working with the Hokotoko Foundation, that is a sister Ecuadorian uh, foundation that works uh, protecting areas with uh, birds mm. that are endemic or in danger. And uh, I started uh, with Hokotoko because I had my perspective from botany, my perspective ah. from habitat restoration, from reforestation, and that was my the reason to be nice. uh, added to this team. During 13 years, I was working with Hokotoko Foundation in different areas in hotspots of diversity, uh, mostly in cloud forest. And during my Hokotoko time, I meet Lou Jost again. Ah. <laughs> and uh, that was, that was the, 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 my regrow on, on these aspects. That's great. And one time, Lou mentioned me, uh, we're making uh, an organization, a foundation, uh, that have the same aims of uh, Hokotoko, just protecting the endangered species. If you want, you can link with us. Uh, one year later, <laughs> we just uh, again, we talked with Lou, and, and Lou asked me, do you want to work with me? And I said, yes. <laughs> yes, there of course is. I want to work with you. And that was my, my, wow. my beginning with, Hokot with Ecominga. Uh, two things that are... Uh, one close to each other. Yeah. My love uh, for plants, especially from the trees. I love orchids, <laughs> but uh, my um, field work that is more with the conservation of land, the yeah. protection of, of areas. Um, that's something that I learned during my Hokotoko time. And now I, I have knowledge from birds, knowledge from plants, love for frogs and, <laughs> and frogs, <laughs> and, and of course, flowers. Yeah. So that's uh, that's how I reached this point. Wow. Uh, and botany, it's always around. Yeah. And always <laughs> we have leaves and we are just facing plants and see if we can just climb this tree or not. <laughs> it's something that daily happens. That's awesome. Uh, during during my, my field time. And I start uh, working with the Cominga as, uh, I would say, it as, as, a, as a ranger. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I was in charge of just measuring the boundaries of the plots where the reserve, the first reserve we establish it, uh, hiring people, looking for uh, uh, for for funds and all this stuff. And now I'm working as the executive director, and wow. I'm very happy to to mention you that the Cominga for me was like, like a full career, a full passion, uh, and it's the unique organization that I know. Uh, that make conservation from very small and tiny things as yeah. the elepantes or the stelis or the tigias and protect the landscape. Yeah. So it's a different aspect how plants can be super useful to um, 
have a different perspective of conservation. And I really love this, this word. That's fantastic. What a journey, too. And it's it's almost fortunate you had that journey because it sounds like you really laid the groundwork in your own life and your own experiences to kind of get that holistic view, but then kind of focus in when, when, when that opportunity presented itself. You came in with a ton of experience to make everything you're trying to do with Ecominga much more effective in the long run. You have to learn how to work with people, how to hire people, how to run and set up plots and do the research. I mean, all of that had to have played into the effectiveness that eventually became this passionate career you have. Yeah, I I spent most of my time on the field during my university time. And that was super uh, nice to have the opportunity to be close with a lot of researchers, mm. with a lot of scientists, that people have a different perspective, point of view. And uh, um, when I arrived to Ecominga, was the moment and, and the space uh, to develop all these things inside our, our home. Yeah. So I learned a lot and make a lot of... Uh, errors on the process <laughs> naturally outside. you're human and now i just I, i'm just i had this this idea okay now that we are doing all this stuff for us i will make less errors and it's not working at <laughs> this way things are changing and changing and every single time we have new new things to learn and yep. uh, it's and it's it's clear uh people make conservation right for people and we need to also have this perspective of people to work with people and protect nature on the process. So it's important to also reconsider that science is useful, but also people is making science. Yeah. And we need to pass the different boundaries from the scientific work to the rest of the community. Right, And, and that's another important uh, side of all this work. Um, the, the How methodic, uh, uh, for example, is the research that Lou made with the TGS give us a lot of understanding of what is the kind of information that we need to pass to the people. If we are just taking information in the right way, we need to pass information to the community that can be useful yeah. uh, on, on, on a very uh, scientific way, but with different methods, with different um, uh, subjects. Right. We need to pass information to just continue our conservation work. Yeah, I mean, because people have to value what you're doing to support it, right? And and I'm really fascinated and why I love what Ecominga is doing. All of this, like you said, is centered on these tiny plants. I mean, it's it's not these big charismatic feathers or, or wings, you know, insects, something like that. It truly is. I mean, these orchids, until you see them in person, it's hard to describe all of the detail that's wrapped up in something that's measured in millimeters, right? And so what have you yeah. found in this experience that really helps communicate what is essentially something very small, oftentimes tucked away up in a tree. How, how have you found it to be effective to try to communicate why these orchids are so important? Well, it is, uh, I, I don't have a, uh, the answer yet. <laughs> Good. I, <laughs> I I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to keep uh, most of the local people, for example, uh, close to the work, the, our daily work mm -hmm. during our expeditions that we are uh, making. And for me, for example, it's uh, it's great to have local people with us because they have better adaptation to the field. They know how to use the machete. They <laughs> know how to climb a wall. But when I stop with the people and I just point on a small 
flower that is like two or three millimeters hidden on under a leaf. <laughs> and I show the colors and just use the a, a picture or, or the cell phone and I just show the details. They said, uh, Fausto, for example, one of the guys from one of the communities close to Dracula, he said, I'm 70 years old and I never, I never ever considered that those things, this stuff, this garbage on top of the trees can have something wow. on top huh. and can be something that can be beautiful uh, on, mm. on the sense. Uh, and same situation uh, happened with a couple of ladies. There was um, one is 65 years old and she always uh, mentioned that she loved orchids, but only orchids that can be big. Ah. The small things she was not considering orchids. So now she understands that the small things are also orchids and there are more, there are different colors, more shapes, and they are hiding <laughs> and they are playing a game because not always are in the same branch. They disappear very fast. <laughs> There's not there from like one year to the next year. And um, little by little, uh, their relationship with the people give us the chance to show some of the stuff. Oh. And I think that's the, the, the moment. But we are not enough. We need more people making the same activity on the communities with more uh, uh, people to engage this passion, but with example. Yeah, We can make beautiful books, but books are not arriving to places that are like five hours right. far away from the closer town. Um, so we need to be more creative uh, how to uh, show these things uh, to the local people. And one of these uh, things, we are now, for example, training a couple of youth people uh, close uh, to Dracula Reserve to learn about orchids and to create a monitoring system Wow! Uh, to first to analyze how populations are, uh, understand a little about the demography of some of the endangered species. and to have information and any information to update some of these species on the red list of uh, hmm. IUCN. Wow. But the trail is starting with the engage of local people with these things. Right. And and that's that's the the that's one of the most important things to have the people from the communities more related with the real values that they have on their back. Right, right. And I'm really happy to hear that perspective from someone that's on the ground doing this because I think a lot of what gets fed through media channels is that people hate nature or they don't want anything to do with it. They're not interested. And I'm, I've am i even found in my own work, but uh, you are a perfect example of this, is that when you do show them the intricacies, the beauty, the the magnificence of what you said, these these little things that are just kind of covering the trees... It just opens up a whole new world, and and it it you have to see it to know it's out there, right? And really appreciate what's going on. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, one of our Ecuadorian botanists, uh, Walter Palacios, he he described trees as the sky, <laughs> and flowers as stars. Wow! So if you are just pointing your eyes during the day to a tree full of flowers. You will see the sky during the day. <laughs> and this is the type of phrases that I can use with the local people. And they change the feelings. Wow. They, they start uh, watching the trees in a different way. They're not just timber. They're like not uh, just obstacles to develop <laughs> uh, a farm. They also uh, provide value. And 
And I think it's a lot of the um, natural history that we can use to engage people. Mm. And that's something that can be more uh, useful, not only words, also uh, facts that came from other parts of the science that can help us to put more value on the forest. And in a, in a, in a places with super high diversity as we have, it's crazy. Local people, for example, um, don't recognize some of the trees. Hmm. And um, during the last years, uh, Lou was uh, working with the rangers to follow the, the magnolia flowers that we have on, on some of our reserves close wow. to Banyos. And uh, uh, during the last uh, five years, they discovered two new species, one uh, hybrid working <laughs> with uh, my students, the rangers, the researchers. And, um, and uh, in the Rio Manduriaco Reserve, one of the reserves that we had in the Toysan mountain change at the northwest of Ecuador, uh, we had three species of magnolias. And I said, okay, so if we have this diversity on the sister reserve of Dracula Reserve, why I don't have any magnolia on hmm. our place? And, and where are my, our magnolia trees? So I just take one of the rangers that know the magnolias and put on Dracula. And he finally uh, <laughs> get two, uh, two trees wow. in the first day. Wow. Because not all the people is trained to see the sky. Yeah. Not everybody... Uh, it's the, the, most of our rangers are locals. They live on the area. They know how to just move on the forest. But remembering flowers, it, it, it's something more special. And remember the, the, the these feelings of the forest, these textures, the, the special uh, organs and the special shapes of some of the flowers is something that it's it's something that you can train the people to right. learn to add their own knowledge and join this stuff. So as look as uh, common names, with look with common names we cannot describe nothing. But with <laughs> <laughs> with samples, with leaves, with good photos, that's the other level. Right. So uh, as as soon we start digging in one of the different groups of uh, plants, we discover new species. And it's wow. how fantastic is is yeah. this our con so uh, that's it's one of the greater uh, places the diversity here still very low in terms of how knowledge we have for right. new species and how uh, well documented are most of those so it's a lot to do and we want to engage more people to come <laughs> with us to, to just to come to the forest to study yeah. now i'm moving i'm moving a lot of um, i'm spending some of my time on universities mm -hmm trying to just provide the speech and talk with the people and talk with local people about uh, local from each region. Sure. Um, to say it's a lot of diversity here, but we don't, we don't have these, these, these ideas on our hands. So come to the reserve, come to these places. Let's go to work on the field. Let's do more uh, plots. Let's go to measure trees. Let's look for flowers. This is something <laughs> that you can not only learn on the, uh, on the classroom. You need to go to the forest. Yeah. So that's that's the other uh, that's that's another uh, side. How you can just make the forest the real classroom from all these activities. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love that. And the other thing is when you have so much diversity, like you see in Ecuador, especially in a cloud forest area. I mean, you know, someone that knows magnolias might not know orchids, might not know 
I mean, you name it, just the, the amount of attention to detail, you just really need people out there looking to, to try to find some of this stuff and, and go, hey, what's that? Well, I don't know. I've never seen that before. Let's take a sample back. Let's look at, you never know. And, and it's just probably, I would assume, constantly chipping away at the unknown and, and new things are discovered all the time. <laughs> yeah. And some of these things that are discovered also are in danger. Yeah. Uh, because we don't have the same amount of land uh and every year the boundaries that people dedicate from agriculture are growing and growing mm -hmm. the way how we are using land it's unsustainable and um and also uh how the weather is changing it's giving us some alerts about what we need to do yeah. so protecting landscape uh protecting all these plots of diversity that we know from orchids can be useful for the rest of the ecosystem, can be useful for the rest of the things that are surviving and living in those uh, areas. And uh, as agriculture um, can be difficult uh, to handle with the local people, mining activities are worst right. and are larger in scale and also how deep can be these uh, effects on, on people, right. on landscape on uh, how these things are providing a lot of pollution uh, and and that's more difficult to to explain and work right right and so you know it's it's so important that we protect the land for nature because like you said there's so much unknown on top of the stuff we can already know and appreciate but it's very difficult when those activities are legal or sanctioned it's even more difficult when they are illegal and, and are going on unknown without people looking, you don't know what's happening. And so that's one of the reasons we connected today was because of the threats to the Dracula Reserve and neighboring habitat due to illegal gold mining, correct? Well, it's actually, it's uh, legal. Oh. Uh, because uh, the companies that are working on this part of Ecuador, uh, they have the rights oh. uh, to have these concessions. Um, the problem is how they are acting on the field mm. and how the concessions are used to a lot of um, uh, to a lot of actions that are illegal I and see. actions that are not um, how is the the, the most uh, right word is like that are not appropriated. Uh, um, for I will give you an example. Yeah. Uh, we know uh, one of the plots that we are defending at this moment. It's a large area, almost 600 hectares of pristine forest, 95%. Places where uh, we only know boundaries and the rest of the mountain is still undiscovered, untouched, unbelievable places. We only was just making one small, just scratch of uh, uh, research and it was amazing the number of new things that we found wow. there was like okay this is the need <laughs> the next level that we need to reach and we need to protect this place um, so we know the land owner we work with the land owner for almost one year to get permissions to start uh, researching on the area but at the same time that we start uh, researching on the area the mining company decide to just to put a campsite next to the property and they start working inside the, the place uh, without the permission of the land owner. Oh. 
And crossing the, the plots that are part of the Dracula Reserve with no permissions and creating new roads and starting to make a first phase of exploration that mostly is just taking samples of the superficial uh, uh, side or the first meter mm. um, in long distances. They normally use, uh, on the case of this example, they use it, uh, a group of 25 people uh, working probably for over than a month without the permissions of the landowners. Dang. So the, 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 they have the concession, of course, the, the, the government. Uh, in, in our constitution, the state is the owner of everything that is on top of the, of the ground and everything that is under the ground. So mm-hmm. that's the reason why oil is part of the state uh, rights and mining and uh, concessions are provided by the state. But we are still the owners of the, of the areas on top. We are the, the, the owners of the use of the area on the, superfi- on, the, on the surface. And also we are defending nature. So we are the owners of the trees and the rest of the stuff. And the law said that the mining company must to ask for permission to you to go and create all the exploration right. activity. And they... They knock the door of the landowner one time, two times. They offer some money. He said, no, I'm going to save my place to, for conservation. Later, he said, no, I want to, I have a business with a cominga and I will just stop uh, making any kind of work. So please don't go inside my land. And uh, it was like almost like eight months of different types of uh, proposals that the minery company made to this family. Uh, to go and negotiate in some ways the land. They offer to rent part of the land. They offer money to the uh, uh, part of the family to uh, have a negotiation from a third side. They ask to the um, to the sister, to the um, one of the brothers of uh, of the family, of uh, to ask to sell the land to the brother, to this guy, to sell to the company. They offer three times, four times more money than the money that we offered uh, for the land. And always the landowner said, no, I have an agreement. My land is going to be for conservation, not for mining. So they was knocking the door of this guy all the time. But they had another group of people working from the back uh, inside their own land. So they never had the permissions to do the first exploration with no permissions, with no one agreement. And when he said to the local authorities to make something, the local authorities was like blocking every single action that he made. Wow. So it's not only the the companies, it's also how the companies act and dominate the political, uh, the the governance of the local places and how they convert in the real owners of most yeah. of these areas. The problem is how these places are located with the waterborns. Uh, the problem is the diversity that they are not just considering. And um, uh, they have management plans. They have all the things that write for the different ministers to have the, per- the permissions. And they have good plans for like recycling garbage, to t- just to move the samples, to make all this stuff. And of course, all these uh, good actions are positive, 
But what is the impact on one place that you don't know the diversity mm -hmm. and make an activity and extract uh, from part of the mountain without any kind of consideration what is on top? Right. And how rare are some of the things that are on top? Uh, and I will give you one idea how difficult is this, how incredible is this place. Yeah. The first day that we arrived to uh, our camp, uh, one of the one of the rangers decided to cut some trees and clean one space to allocate the tent in a flat place. So he was just digging a little bit the, the ground and between some roots, he'd just catch a frog. And it's not only a new species of frog, it's a new genus of, uh, of frogs. What? Uh, with one single scratch. Uh, <laughs> so when I visit the place where the miners just destroyed one super large canyon, 400 meters per, like, per three meters of vegetation, totally removed from just, and material probably just dig it like uh, 10 to 20 centimeters yeah. deep and all the stripe destroy it, I understand how fast go extinction. Because we don't know the type of um, chemicals that they use on top. We don't, we, we don't know if they only arrive with, uh, with tools or yeah. they apply some chemicals. We don't know how deep was the damage, but as soon we arrived, the amount of water that we had on the canyon was reduced to less than a third wow. amount. Wow. We don't know, for example, if uh, with all the uh, work that they make, they just make some cracks on the, on, the, on, the, on the canyon, if still very stable this canyon or not. We don't know nothing because nobody has the ability to know what kind of actions they are doing because all this stuff is in secret. Yeah. And nobody is talking about how they are doing, what they are doing, what are the permissions, what kind, what is the amount of materials that left the area. Uh, from some of the information that, that I got from the local people, they said most of the big tracks with the material was just leaving the place at two in the morning and just was moving wow. to the other side of, uh, they never arrived to Chical, they go to the other side. So how strange are these actions and how, how rare how just weird is this uh, type of actions that they need to move? Yeah, right. At two in the morning, right? And why the people that is working uh, there need to sign a lot of agreements and letters to say that they will not mention nothing to anybody uh, what they are doing inside. Uh, so that's some of the of the comments. And the problem is, if if they have the law, uh, they they are acting uh, with the law and the the state is not present on these areas. Right. All the stuff that is happening around make more complicated all the stuff. Uh, Dracula Reserve is it's allocated on the northwest of Ecuador on the boundary with Colombia. We are just touching uh, the Dracula Reserve touch the San Juan River that is the, the, the physical boundary with Colombia. And it's one of the very unique places that have these particular things. The elevation range, it's 800 meters to 2,400 meters. And it's crazy the amount of diversity that we yeah. have. Uh, it's crazy how the water cycles are moving on this area. We have water uh, clouds that are coming from the north, from the Colombian side, clouds that are coming from the western side, from the Pacific Ocean. And these mountains are at 
just uh, trapping this amount of uh, clouds and make a special microclimates. Um, and the amount of the, the number of small reaches that we have increase the amount of opportunities to have different mm. uh, populations, different communities. We don't have we don't have the, the final number, for example, of orchids that we have on the area, but it's a decent number. It's almost 400, 425 wow. species in less than uh, well. Now we have two thousand two hundred hectares, and only six hundred hectares out are out of mining concessions. The rest wow. of the territory is with uh, we have uh, five uh, concessions. Hmm. And this is part of the of the things that uh, we are trying to create more evidence uh, about mining activity, not only as something that is not, not possible to do uh, everywhere. Actually, mine, I have cables here. <laughs> my computer is, is metal, and we we need to have right. some some mining happening on our area. But the places with super high diversity must be saved for the diversity, the highest value right. that we have, not only for our country, it's also for the planet. Uh, so the process to show the, the state, the communities, the, uh, the politicians, how beautiful and important is Dracula Reserve, it's our work. And also we are trying to develop a, a new set of evidence how these mining concessions uh, really are illegal. Because um, we have one uh, one of the most important states on our constitution said that all these stuff um, demand a pre um, a pre uh, communication with the community, and this communication must to be made it before, of course. Yeah. All these all these concessions start, and is and it it's. Mm, this is made it for a third part, not from the minery company, not from the minery minister, not from the local governance. They must to be made it for another part of the government. Right. Not the thing. Not not all the by all the the groups that have all the rights and all <laughs> the demands yeah. and all the needs to be on top. And that's something that was not made in Ecuador. In mm. every single concession that was provided during the last 12 years, this statement was like passed over. Hmm. So that's one of the first things that we are trying to use. And Los Cedros case, I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, Los Cedros is another protected forest a little bit inside on the northwest of Ecuador. And it's the first case where, where the concept of rights of nature was uh, used. Oh, and wow. we we and, and nature win the first case wow. because this case was like uh, uh, submitted to the main uh, court and the main court uh, failed in favor of nature. Wow. And just remove uh, <laughs> one big concession of uh, gold and copper uh, and happen on a similar conditions of habitat from Dracula Reserve. One species of frog was the main actor Dang. to defend this, this forest. And we have more than one frog. We have like <laughs> yeah. four new four species of critically endangered frogs. Wow. We have a big community of uh, endangered species. For example, Dracula Reserve is protecting the most endangered plant that Ecuador has, that is a Phragmipedium fishery. 
Oh, wow. An orchid, and we are, we are just protecting the unique place where this species is living. And when we start the project, we only had 25 plants. Now, with all, all the work that we are uh, protecting, we just reduce the cows on the top of the hill. Uh, we just fence uh, most of the area. Now we have 125 wow, plants. That's of amazing. Of course, the genetical material is going to be reduced with but... like a so small. But look at, we can just make real impact if we are yeah. protecting our land and we have real numbers of the things that we are protecting. And we, we must to repeat these examples. Yeah. And we, we can use this uh, type of uh, species to fight for the rights of nature and try to recreate this case and protect the Dracula Reserve from mining. That's and that's the, one of the goals that we have. Uh, and every single Dracula species can be used as one subject of rights. Yes. Every, every single poroglossum can be used as, as one subject for rights. And that's something special from the Ecuadorian constitution that we are the first country on the world to provide rights for nature. And uh, now, now I, I want to mention during all these fights, we are not like safe enough because uh, a year, two years ago, we catch one guy um, uh, that was taking like two sacks of orchids. Oh. Draculas and Masdevalias, the special things. There was not like a casual, yeah. like uh, planting catch. He was targeted, going directly to some species, and we catch our rangers. That's the other. That's another group of people. That's a different. <laughs> it's a different class. <laughs> they are so good. They're past a huge amount of time on the field, that's on awesome. clouds, on under the rain covers of math and, and they are and they are still happy with this work that's awesome and so we catch this guy and we climb for we follow this case for two years wow. and finally we are on one moment of where this case it's passing to be a real a real case Good. so we will be in front of the of the of the judge and during the next three months, we will have the chance to create some uh, legislation. Yeah. We are on, on the moment to create a real pathway to plant extraction, to something that you need to prove that is uh, a real crime against nature. So uh, all the plants that was um, the, the evidence of this case, of course, was just out of the field for a long amount of time mm. uh, without uh, good care. They was planted on the reserve back, but unfortunately all the plants died. Uh. So this is, this is something also to learn that in, this, um, in, in, the, in the situation that we are living now, a lot of people it's uh, trying to sell this concept that if we cannot reduce the potential impact of an, an activity, mm. uh, if we cannot mitigate uh, the, the real uh, conflict with uh, another industrial activity, we can pay for make other actions. Right. We can pay what nature uh, suffer. And this simple case give us the real idea that um, diversity or species offset is not possible. Right. It, it's, it's a concept that 
uh, it's unuseful. It's a concept that is incomplete. Right. You cannot only put an economical value to one species based on the knowledge that we know where it's living. Uh, if we don't know the real ecological roles, if we don't understand uh, weather, if we don't understand habitat, how it will take actions. Yeah. So uh, with this, I will go back to the mining things. When the minery companies are just telling us that they know how to mitigate all the impact <sighs> that they will have on the future, yeah. how they, they will know if they don't know really what is, what is living there. I, I will just give you one simple, single example. During all the time that we have these mining, mining uh, actions inside the, the plot that we are trying to protect, we discover one thing. No bears. Spectacle bears huh. disappear from the area. Wow. Immediately, of course. Yeah. Noise, the amount of people, horses on the way, trucks on the way. They make uh, this, uh, this activity um, complicated for also other species. Yeah. Uh, so we are trying to fight not only uh, against to the lack of knowledge that we have from our forest. We want to to create uh, more evidence. We want to give better idea what we are protecting. Based on our just mini creatures, we are trying to understand all the landscape. Uh, we are trying to pass this information to the local people to understand how important is water and how water is important to the survival of these tiny treasures. Yeah. Um, and um, this mining... Uh, Companies, they're super big. They're right. super, super big. They're, it's it's impossible to fight uh, in in a regular way with these companies. And and unfortunately, they don't give us any kind of trust. Right. Um, we uh, block the entrance to our reserves as soon as possible, uh, and we make a meeting with one of the one of the, the people from one of these companies. Uh, telling, yeah, you are not allowed to pass to our reserve, you are not allowed to just trespass our boundaries, uh, but if you need to pass, it must to be through an agreement where we can show you how to use the trails, where to go inside, cleaning your boots, because rubber boots can be a, a good pathway for like a chytrid fungi, oh, that can no. kill our frogs. So we want to be careful, so as, as if if is any any point where you need to pass, it must to be under our supervision, mm. and we are not giving you any right to cross to our place. So, as soon we finish this um, meeting, the company talk with all the Awa territory uh, and all the different communities, telling that we uh, that we were agreeing for the mining activities and. It was just uh, opening the gate that they make whatever they want on our reserves, and we had the support. We were supporting all the mining activity. So one Jeez. hour, one hour meeting with these companies, give us six months of work on the different communities, telling the people this is not true. We don't have any kind of agreement. Yeah. We need to. Uh, we are just protecting nature. This is our work. We are protecting the, the, the special parts. We are against hunting. We're explaining and providing explanations to everybody. And, and the unique, the unique time that I that I feel that my life was in danger was in, in a meeting that uh, was uh, created in the closer time 
organized by the miners. That was the unique time. I was working on the Amazon region and yeah. just on top of trees, 45 <laughs> meters high, collecting uh, samples. <laughs> and I was not feeling any kind of fur. Wow. I was just uh, uh, taking taking showers with, with the piranhas. <laughs> uh, and, and I was not feeling any kind of fur. But this, this meeting uh, gave me the real sense of, um, of the power of, yeah. of people that is uh, acting under the table and is moving uh, people uh, with no uh, ethics. Yeah. So that's, that was the, the most um, difficult thing. Uh, so it's important to, to know all these different aspects of conservation for us are, are new. We never, never, yeah. we never consider that defending plants will be so difficult. That's heavy. <laughs> and and uh, and 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 it's, it's also one opportunity, right? Because if we don't protect this forest right now, the next phase is extinction. The next phase is a local uh, reduction of populations, and the impact is for forever. Yeah. It's forever. So we, we must to fight for our works. We must to fight for good practices to just engage local people uh, to other types of relationship and um, with nature. And also, we, we need to be more smart to benefit local people for forest. Right. Know that all the places are uh, like good places uh, to make ecotourism, for example. That is our case. We are so far away than everywhere right. that it's difficult to develop tourism, for example. There, but we must to rethink how people can be benefit from the forest, and that's the yeah. Yeah. That's the most difficult thing, but we are here <laughs> to do this. Well, it's it's wonderful that you and your team are there with that passion, with that drive, and with the desire to do this. Because without it, you just pack up, go home, and say this isn't worth it. Um, but you know, people listening, most of them are not in Ecuador. Most of them won't be able to get down there and be boots on the ground for you. But for all of the listeners to this podcast, how do they help? I mean, how can someone pitch in from you know? <laughs> Alaska or something to that effect, Europe, and say, hey, I want to help the Dracula Reserve in all of the work you and your team are doing. Well, uh, first, uh, thank you to the people that is listening <laughs> and have any kind of connection with us uh, from the plants, from like the type of forest that we are protecting. That is amazing. <laughs> it's impossible to repeat one peak of the mountain if you are not there. It's like starting to... <laughs> Telling you a tale and describing what really you have in front. <laughs> um, we have a good amount of uh, friends that are protect that are helping us on on, the, on this uh, activity. One, it's the uh, Orchid Conservation Alliance. They have a special section on the website that is uh, related with Dracula Reserve. And uh, uh, if if you want to be part of this type of uh, uh, real uh, actions, you can help us to buy a piece of land. An Orchid Conservation Alliance is one of the uh, super good conservation organizations that is making real work, effective work, and was just opening the uh, opening their hands for uh, Ecominga and to Dracula Reserve. We, are, we have several uh, grants, thank you to the Orchid Conservation Alliance, 
that give us the chance to defend uh, our territory. Wonderful. So that that's that's an important uh, point. Um, we also have uh, another channels. Uh, Echo Studio Foundation is a small new organization on US, and yeah, we are part of the of the organizations that can, that you can contribute directly to Ecominga. They will not take overhead. They will just send the money directly to our conservation Wonderful. actions. So that's another uh, good partner. Uh, larger organizations on US Rainforest Trust uh, is another uh, good uh, uh, friend that also have one chapter for Ecominga. Uh, one of the last um, um, grants give us the chance to uh, in just to grow to all the lower part of the reserve. Wonderful. Um, and uh, another different organization, Reserva, the Youth Land Trust, uh, is an organization created by youth people around the world. And they just uh, create the first uh, entire, uh, entire uh, founded reserve in Dracula, with Dracula. Wow. So they just help us to buy one super good and important piece of land and how they just uh, just make that all this money was sent through <laughs> different actions as a concert that ran around uh, during the pandemic, uh, just wow. a leather, a one million letters campaign was super powerful. And it's people from eight years old to 26 years old. <laughs> They, are, they don't have the big company. They are yeah. acting. One of the guys sell lemonades during all the summer and give us almost $5,000. Whoa. And uh, <laughs> Justin rise over than $26,000. It's, it's a Dang. lot of people that we yeah. need to just to turn around. Youth people, it's around the world with a lot of needs to be uh, in the first page. That's they wonderful. Are the real the real people that is taking actions and decisions. Yeah. So we need to recognize an important group to uh, to engage. So I will just give you one one little yeah, yeah. thing. One of the one of the uh, reserve uh, uh, members was with me uh, a couple of months ago. I was just putting some mist nets to understand how the birds are on the place, and I just opened the hand of my friend, and I just. Let the chance to release a hummingbird. Aww. It was the first time in all his life that she was that she was just watching a hummingbird <laughs> and also just looking a hummingbird so close. And she was just, just starting to cry. Aww. All the tears was Aww. just on top of the hummingbird. <laughs> and that's the type of feelings that that the, the people that is with us is taking and treasuring and moving to make more and more actions. Wonderful. We want to engage more people to be related through different um, mechanisms. Land purchases is one important mechanism. We don't have the time to change the mind of everybody, but right. we can just save one hectare and we can make a huge difference. Yeah. So if you are knocking the door from some of our partners uh, with the Cominga or Dracula Reserve, uh, you, are, you will make a big difference, a big difference. And if you want to visit... Uh, our website in, in a close future, uh, ecominga.org. It's going to be updated. Um, <laughs> and until that, uh, follow uh, uh, Lujo's um, blog. That is the most updated part that we have, and Perfect. serious and scientist. Uh, and we can have, I hope, more surprises to you. Good. Um, 
we are just we are making more conservation actions and we want to pass more information to the people that uh, it's, it's it's helping us so thank you thank you if you want to contribute with us uh we're we are ready to keep making our work wonderful well javier it's it's so hard to do this kind of work it's so hard to talk about this kind of work and not feel a little bummed. But with people like you and your colleagues on the ground doing this work, it's it's showing that differences can be made and it just takes a little bit of effort and, and help and people pitching in, little bits everywhere, there and there. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about it. Thanks for showing us your passion for it. And again, it is so nice to know that this is resting in, in dedicated, passionate hands such as yours and everyone else that's working with you. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hope that you can have good material. Oh, it's perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Adios. Adios, Matt. Gracias. Whew. Heavy, heavy stuff. But with people like Javier and his colleagues on the ground doing the work, I feel confident that good things can happen for nature. I thank Javier for taking time out of what is an extremely busy schedule to talk with us about this issue. And I really hope that everyone listening will go to the show notes and click on the links that I put to help support this mission. I can't speak highly enough about Ecominga and the work that people like Javier are doing. It is truly incredible, the stuff they're finding, but also all of the amazing life they're protecting. So please, please, please consider supporting their mission and help them fight back against this type of greed. Once again, all of the show notes can be found at indefensiveplants.com slash podcast. If you want to support this show while you're at it, consider checking out patreon.com slash plants or picking up a copy of my book, some of our customizable merch, or some stickers. I mean it when I say I couldn't be having conversations like this without everyone that supports this podcast each and every month. In fact, I have a big shout out to two of our latest producers. A big thank you goes out to David and Karen. Both of them went over to Patreon and signed up at the producer credit level, so they're doing everything available to help keep this show up and running. So thank you to them both. And of course, thank you to everyone who supports this show with a little financial kickback each and every month. I, I, I really, really appreciate it. But that is it for me this week. I thank you all for listening. I hope you'll support Ecominga and the Dracula Reserve's mission to protect biodiversity. But until next time, hang in there, stay healthy, and get outside if you can. This is your host, Matt, signing out. Adios, everyone. <laughs>